Okay, we are truly happy to have you join us once again to study the words of God. Today we're going to answer the question, what is the purpose of the assembly of Yahusha? For those of you who don't know, the assembly of Yahusha was dedicated uh, last 2020, December the 12th to be exact. So this coming Shabbat, December the 9th of 2023, we're going to be celebrating the third anniversary of the assembly of Yahusha. Now for us to have a meaningful celebration, we need to know, well, what is exactly the purpose of the assembly of Yahusha? Because we know that salvation is not membership-based. So we do not tell you if you want to be saved, you have to be a member of the assembly of Yahusha. We used to come from an organization that believed that, that you have to be in their specific church membership to receive salvation. However, the Bible does not teach that at all. The Bible teaches that salvation is based upon a covenant relationship with our king, Yahushua. So the purpose of the assembly of Yahushua is not to be the place where you need to enter into to receive salvation. Well, if that's not the purpose of the assembly, well, what exactly is the reason for our existence? Why do we have the assembly of Yahushua? Well, for us to be able to answer that question, I think we need to know first, why did Yahuwah will the assembly of Yahushua to emerge in the first place? How did the assembly of Yahushua come to be? Because we know everything happens for a reason. Yahuwah has a plan. Yahuwah has a purpose for all things. And so we will look into scripture to why we have the assembly of Yahushua today. Now, for all of us, I think we all have many things in common. And when we look at the emergence of the assembly of Yahushua, we can say it was born out of crisis. Because when you look at the membership of the assembly of Yahushua, the one thing we have in common is we, come, we came from a religious faith. We, built, we came from a religious organization, and because we did not agree with some of their teachings and practices, and when we expressed our objections, they did not take that lightly, and the result was we were displaced, we were removed or expelled, and so we find ourselves in a quandary, because for many of us, ever since we were born, we grew up in that faith, and so we have many friends in that faith. Our network of the people that we associate with are from that religion. And so when we were removed from this faith, from this religion, it was a big crisis in our life, especially those who were born into the faith. But we all know, because when we study scriptures, whenever there is crisis, it's actually an opportunity for Yahuwah to begin something new. We often find in scripture that he does something great, something new in moments of weakness and times of crisis. So how can we know and how can we find the will of Yahuwah in time of crisis? Because when we figure this out, we will connect everything together and see that indeed it is the will of Yahuwah that the assembly of Yahusha emerges. And so Whenever there is crisis in our life, what should be our response? Let's read the book of 2 Peter 1, 19. And we have 
the word of the prophets. When we say the word of the prophets, what do we say? Or what do we call that? Prophecy, right? And so we have the word of the prophets made more certain. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to the light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. And so here we have the apostle Peter teaching us what we ought to do in times of a crisis. Bible tells us when we are in a dark place and when one is in a crisis, he is in a dark place. If you are in a dark place, what's the first thing you want to see? Light. And so when we find ourselves in situations where we feel desperate, when our backs are against the wall, we're facing trial and tribulation, when we are in a dark place, what we need to do is to look for light. And light is something that the prophecy is all about. Prophecy is light. Prophecy is made more certain or made more evident in times of darkness. And so in times of crisis, what we ought to do is to pay attention to prophecy. And once we begin to pay attention to prophecy, looking at the patterns of prophecy, looking at the details of prophecy, all of a sudden we find light. Light represents guidance in times of crisis or in times of darkness. And so this is what we need to do in times of crisis. Look for prophetic patterns because prophecy is pattern that provide the light of guidance. What also does the light of prophecy provide? Romans 15 in the verses 4, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. And so what also does the light of prophecy provide us? It gives us hope and encouragement. And so when we were expelled and we did not know what to do, what offered us hope and encouragement? Was it not the scriptures? Isn't this what we did? We searched the scriptures looking for answers. Unfortunately, not many did the same thing. There were many who relied on what they were given instead of pursuing and trying to understand scripture because scripture provides us the answer. And so this is what we did because the Bible tells us everything that were written in scripture has a purpose. Its purpose is to give us hope and encouragement. So prophecy is pattern that provides light, the light of guidance that give us hope and encouragement. Not only that, but also this prophecy provide. Let's read the book of Corinthians 10 and the verses 11. Now all these things happen to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. According to Apostle Paul, in addition to Apostle Peter, the Bible is telling us that Scripture, everything written in it, is for our admonition. But we will only find admonition from Scripture when we understand its examples. And we who are in the ends of the ages, Apostle Paul says that everything in the past was written to benefit those at the end of the ages, which would be us, 
And so we who are at the end of the ages would benefit from the admonition of prophecy and also everything written in scripture when we look for admonition contained in prophecy, when we look at the examples of prophecy. And so when the Bible says examples, what is it referring to? The Greek word translated examples is the Greek word hypos. I don't know if that rings a bell to you. What does typos represent? It is typology because the word, the Greek word typos means pattern, a resemblance, a sampler, a model. And so that is what typology is. So the Bible is full of examples that represent a model. And so a model is something, is a set of patterns from which we can find certain expectations and admonitions and also gives us light as to what to expect and what to do in response to a crisis that fits a model. This is why the Bible is full of examples, full of prophecy, full of patterns. The Bible is full of patterns. It is for our admonition, guidance, encouragement, and hope. So we need to use well the biblical teachings, the biblical examples, and patterns of prophecy. Now, who is a good example of one who used well the example of biblical patterns? Let's read the book of Acts 15, 13 and 17 when they finish. James spoke up, brothers, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it, that the remnant of men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things. What we read to you concerns the wise decision of a certain pillar, a certain leader in the early church. His name was James. You see what we read in the book of Acts. If you will begin looking at the context in chapter one of, I mean, uh, verse one of the book of Acts chapter 15, it describes a crisis in the early church. What was this crisis about? What to do with the Gentiles? Because apparently the Gentiles were receiving the Holy Spirit. And so there were certain Jews who said, no, the Gentiles are not supposed to receive the Spirit. It's only supposed to be for us, Jews, people of Israel. Well, when the people of the Gentiles began to receive the Spirit after accepting and believing in our King Yahushua HaMashiach, the people began to ask a question, what are we going to do with the Gentiles? Are we going to have them circumcised? So this was like a big issue, a big crisis. It caused a lot of division. They didn't know what to do with the Gentiles. So they had their first conference, all the apostles, right? Peter, James, John, all of them were there. They had a big council. What are we going to do with the Gentiles? And so after listening to all the apostles speak, what was the wise decision of James? Well, he spoke up. And did you notice what he said? He said the words of the prophets are in agreement with this. And so their decision was they should no longer bother the Gentiles with having been circumcised. There's no need for them to be circumcised 
there's no need for them to become, quote unquote, Jewish, because it is in agreement with what is written, the prophecy. And so what did James do when this crisis began to emerge? He studied what? Prophecy. This is why it's really, really bizarre for people who belong to a church organization and they kind of dismiss the Old Testament and they say the Old Testament no longer is relevant during our time. It was relevant during the time of James. It's relevant during our time today because many of the prophecies have not been fulfilled, including this one. Here, James says this, uh, the words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. So James turned to the book of Amos, a prophet, and to his writings, the prophecy, so that he can receive guidance concerning the decision about the early, about the Gentiles and what to do with them. Take note in the prophecy cited by James, which is in the book of Amos, he says, after this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins, I will rebuild and I will restore it. It's speaking about the restoration of Judah. We know at this time, Judah is not yet rebuilt and restored. And eventually, what would happen to Judah and all of Israel? In 70 AD, it would be completely destroyed. So this prophecy was not yet fulfilled. But after citing this prophecy, it says in verse 17, that the remnant of men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who does these things. And so in verse 17, it mentions the Gentiles, how they will bear his name and that they will be the one to seek the Lord. But when we look at the prophecy of Amos, well, it wasn't yet completely fulfilled. I mean, the beginnings of it was already coming to fruition because after all, we know Yahusha came from the, from the tribe of Judah and he began to preach the gospel and the kingdom, but Judah rejected the gospel. And so it was not fully restored. And so the prophecy that was cited by James was not fulfilled completely. That's why the phrase that James used was in agreement. He did not say the prophecy is being fulfilled, right? Why? Because the prophecy was not yet completely fulfilled. It will not be completely fulfilled until the millennium. And so this is a prophecy that will be fulfilled in the millennium. Yet James uses it and says the words of the prophets are in agreement with this, with their decision. Do you see how James used prophecy as a light? Because when you see the light, it kind of gives you a guidance for what to expect in the future. And so the light of prophecy tells us something's going to happen in Judah. It's going to be restored, rebuilt, millennium. All the Gentiles will go to Jerusalem to worship who? Yahuwah. That was the light of prophecy. And so we have a model. And so he followed that model and says, what we're doing concerning the Gentiles are in agreement with the prophecy. Do you see how James used Amos to get guidance concerning the decision about the Gentiles? It was in agreement 
with the prophetic pattern. So the question is, is the assembly of Yahushua in agreement with biblical prophecy? And so what we need to do is to examine, you know, these circumstances of where we came from, what happened to us, and look for a model, look for a typology, look for a biblical pattern that kind of fits what happened to us, and use that model of prophecy as a way to guide us for what's going to happen in the future. This is what we do, because this is what the apostles did as well. And so let's turn to the book of Isaiah, 121 to 23. See how the faithful city has become a harlot. She once was full of justice. Righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, companions of thieves. They love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case has not come before them. There's a lot to unpack here. But when we were looking for patterns, when we, when we were looking for scripture, at the outset of what happened to us, we kind of stumbled upon this. Did we not? I mean, when we first began to assemble together for Bible studies, we kind of focused on this prophecy a lot. Did we not? Because it matches what was happening at that time. And so what did we notice? The Bible mentions a faithful city that's become a harlot. And we talked about what it means to become a harlot when you mix spiritual things with political things. Right? Harlotry. Bible mentions righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers. What is the equivalent of murder? Hate. Right? When you begin to hate and show anger, Towards your fellow brethren, well, that's not right. That is the equivalent of murder. And so even if you have not done the actual act of murder by becoming hateful and angry with your brethren or people in general, this is murder. What else? Bible says your choice wine is diluted with water. When the word of God is mixed with something else, so when the word of God is misapplied and twisted, it loses its potency. It's no longer the word of God that has potent power. What else? Rulers are rebels, companions of thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless, and the widow's case has not come before them. We all know how this kind of played out. And so we looked at this pattern and said, that's it. This explains a lot. This explains what is happening to us. And so what is at the heart of this? The rulers who are supposed to lead. The leaders who are supposed to guide. But they became rebels. And so we, who belong to this religious group, we began to make objections. We objected to the teaching. We objected to what they were doing. And because we did this, of course, they will not take that lightly, what happened to us. We were expelled. Many of us were, I mean, all of us were expelled, right? And so we look for patterns again. John 16, 1 to 4. I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith, for you will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now, so that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a while. 
longer. Our King Yahusha tells us that those who are truly following him, those who are loyal to him, because not everyone were, lo were loyal to our King Yahusha, but if you decide to follow Yahusha, you're going to be hated, you're going to be persecuted. And so Yahusha told them in advance, look, you want to be my disciple? This is what's going to happen to you. Time will come when you will be expelled from the synagogues. And those who will expel you will think they are doing a holy service for God. Question, this pattern, does it fit? This model, did it fit what we were experiencing? Yes, this happened to us. And so because it fit that model, what does our King Yahusha tell us? Why did he give us this prophetic statement in the first place? He says, I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. And so it's sad that there are those who, when they were expelled, they kind of lost faith. But Yahusha says, this will happen to you, and I'm telling you in advance so that you won't abandon your faith. What faith? Faith in him. Faith in him. Faith in our king, Yahusha. And so when we look at patterns and scripture and prophecy, we find models that we can use that fits what happened to us and use that model as a guide concerning what we can expect in the future. That's the purpose of prophecy. Patterns that inform, patterns that edify and give us hope and courage. And so we know the rulers became rebels. They rebelled against Yehovah Abba. They no longer preach and teach the truth of the word of God. And so this became like our model. And so to kind of see the model in its context, we go back to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah 1 is our model. It's our prophetic pattern. And so we base everything that we make, the decisions we made according to this pattern. And so we go to Isaiah 1, 2 to 4. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth. For Yahuwah has spoken, I have nourished and brought up children. And they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Alas, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood, a brood of evildoers, children who are corruptors. They have forsaken Yahuwah. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away backward. And so here's a pattern of scripture in Isaiah 1, because we saw in Isaiah 1, 21 and 22 to 23, that it fits what we were experiencing. So we'll look at the context. What happened? How did it become like that? Well, Bible tells us it wasn't always like that. It started out well, which is what we see in Scripture. Yahuwah begins with the people whom he raises to be his own, right? And so this is what happens to Israel. He raises Israel to become his son, his firstborn son. And so when they begin to prosper and multiply, they forget Yahuwah. That's why Yahuwah laments. But is, the ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. And so Yahuwah is telling the people of Israel at first when I was nurturing you, you were listening to me, but afterwards, when you prosper, you forgot all about me. And so what would happen to Israel? They would go backward. They would fall into apostasy. However, before they would go into 
apostasy. As they turn backward, what does Yahuwah do? Eight to nine. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth in a vineyard, as a hut in the garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city, unless Yahuwah of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. And so the Bible tells us a pattern in scripture about his people. It's a pattern that they go through and repeat again and again and again. It's called a cycle. And we know that the people of Israel, even during the days of the Judges, because currently we're studying the book of Judges, right? We find this pattern in the book of Judges as well, right? They begin to prosper. They forget. So Yahuwah leaves behind a remnant. And so rem the remnant uh, during our time, we identify ourselves as a very small remnant. Why? Because Yahuwah does not want us to become like Sodom. He doesn't want us to become like Gomorrah. And so what does he want? He wants to begin a work with the remnant. And so what will he provide? The very small remnant so that his work will, will continue. Let's read. Verse 26, I will give you judges like you had long ago, advisors like you had in the beginning. After that, you will be called the righteous city, the faithful town. And so after Yahuwah sets apart for himself a very small remnant, he will give the very small remnant judges and advisors like they had in the beginning. In other words, they will be given leaders, spiritual leaders who will not be rebels against Yahuwah. And so this is our light. We started off with Isaiah 1, 21 to 23. It fits the pattern of what we were experiencing. We look at the context of that model, how it began, how it continued. And the hope of the model, the hope of the prophecy. The light of the prophecy is there's good news for the remnant. What is that? It will be given, judges and advisors. And so this was the light of prophecy that gave us hope, guidance, and encouragement in times of our crisis. And so we identified a pattern, a remnant pattern in scripture that looks something like this. Yahuwah raises a people. His people succeed and prosper. In their time of, of prosperity, they forget Yahuwah. His people fall away into apostasy. But Yahuwah will set apart a remnant. And Yahuwah gives leaders for the remnant. So that they can be raised as a people again by our father, Yahuwah. And so this is the remnant pattern that we find repeated again and again from the time of Genesis up until the time that we have today. So, so this is the remnant pattern of scripture. We know that when we entered into that crisis, we became a remnant, and we know Yahuwah is going to fulfill his prophecy. Yahuwah will give leaders for the remnant. So we were waiting for this, and this is what happened. Now, we don't want the cycle to repeat itself, right? I mean, what we want to, what, what do we want to do with the remnant pattern? We want to learn from it. This is why the Bible tells us prophecy gives admonition. It gives us hope, but it also gives us admonition. 
You see that? What's the admonition? Do not repeat the part of the pattern that leads to destruction, that leads to the falling away. And so what is the admonition of the prophecy? The prophecy contains the light of hope. I will give you new leaders, new judges, uh, new advisors, new counselors. That's the light. That's the hope of prophecy. What's the admonition of prophecy? Let's read the book of Isaiah 1, 8 to 10. So the daughter of Zion is left as a booth and a vineyard, as a hut and a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city, unless Yahuwah of hosts had left to us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been made like Gomorrah. Here is the admonition. Hear the word of Yahuwah. You rulers of Sodom, give ear to the law of our God. You people of Gomorrah. And so what is the admonition of the prophecy? So that the cycle of falling away from God, of going backward, we can put at bay so it will not be fulfilled. So we can remain a people of God growing and maturing. The pattern of admonition is hear the word of Yahuwah, give ear to the law of our God. You know, Yahuwah addresses two people or two groups of people in this admonition. Who are the two groups of people admonished by Yahuwah's teaching here? The rulers, who are they? The leaders, but not just the leaders, but also the people. The leaders and the people are to be accountable for what happens to his nation. This is why the leaders and the people together, they need to have accountability. And so that accountability is about obeying the word of God. Because the moment you kind of step away, misapply, misinterpret, and falsely use or wrongly use the word of God, when the word of God takes a backseat. When you reject the word of God, when you don't study the word of God, when you only study select groups of scriptures and misapply and misuse scripture, what's going to happen to you? We're going to end up, we're going to fall away. We're going to end up like Sodom and Gomorrah. Yahuwah doesn't want that. And so this is the admonition of prophecy. We need to hear and give ear to the word and law of Yahuwah, our God. And if both the leaders and the people that they lead are rejecting the word of God. Do you know what's going to happen? Let's read Jeremiah. But I, Yahuwah, will punish them for these things. I will take revenge on this nation, even though it's the nation of God. I will take revenge on this nation, he says. A terrible and shocking thing has happened in the land. The prophets speak nothing but lies. Priests rule us the prophets command. And my people offer no objections. But what will they do when it all comes to an end? Do you see what happened? Why Israel failed as a nation? Why they were punished by God? Bible says he holds accountable the leaders and the people. Why the leaders? Because they did not speak the truth of the word of God. Maybe they... they twisted the word of God. They did not speak the word of God. Maybe they rejected the law of God like the Ten Commandments. They rejected it. The leaders were represented by the prophets and the priests. But what was shocking, the people offered no 
objections. Perhaps they said, well, it's what the leader said. Blindly follow. You see blind following or blind faith or blind followers? It's, not, it's, a, it's a terrible thing to spend your, to, to, to practice your faith. We ought to test all things. And so the people offered no objections. And so the Bible says what will happen to them is they will have an end. And who was going to take his revenge on that nation? So this kind of highlights for us the, the importance of leadership. You see, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There's safety in having many advisors. So when you have like an assembly or an organization and the leadership does not provide wise leadership, it doesn't preach the word of God. It doesn't teach the word of God. And the people in that group do not want to study the word of God. That nation is going to fall. The importance of leadership and teaching the words of God is of paramount importance. And so when the light of prophecy is fulfilled, when our hope that we will be given judges and advisors will be fulfilled, let us take note of the importance of leadership and the importance of the teaching of the word of God. Well, how will Yahuwah God fulfill this light of prophecy? How will he fulfill and give judges and advisors to those who are remnants, the very small remnant? Well, let's look for another pattern in prophecy. Jeremiah 23, 1 and 2. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says Yahuwah. Therefore, thus says Yahuwah, God of Israel, against the shepherds who feed my people, you have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for the evil of your doing, says Yahuwah. And so here we have a prophecy concerning the lack of care that the shepherds, the leaders, their lack of care evidenced by the fact they were not fed, and so this caused the sheep to scatter. And Yahuwah says, I am against those shepherds. And this is much like what we experienced because when we were expelled or removed and we had no place to go to, we were like scattered sheep. And so we cried to Yahuwah, we studied scripture, we saw the light of scripture, the admonition of scripture. Now we put that together. And so how does Yahuwah, what is the response of Yahuwah to our cry and to our study of the word of God? Let's read three to four. But I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their folds and they shall be fruitful and increase. I will set up shepherds over them and will feed them and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, nor shall they be lacking, says Yahuwah. Yahuwah says, I'm going to give you new advisors, new judges. This is the light of hope from the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 1. In Jeremiah 23, 3-4, to the Bible tells us they're going to act like shepherds. How so? They will care for the flock. How will there be a flock? The Bible says the remnant of his flock from all countries, those who are scattered, what will Yahuwah do? He's going to gather them. He's going to bring them together and they're going to have their own fold. And so in that fold, there will be leaders and shepherds who will feed them 
The word fold in Hebrew is abode, habitation. It's not referring to the people. That's flock. So the, the, the people are the habitation that represents the organization. The sheepfold or the fold represents the structure. Because for us to carry out the work of God, we need some kind of structure. That structure is the fold, the habitation, the abode. And so Yahuwah is going to bring us into our own sheepfold. That is the assembly of Yahusha. That's the sheepfold where Yahuwah God will gather the remnant who are scattered from all over the world. And after being gathered together in the sheepfold, what will Yahuwah God do? Yahuwah will feed his sheep. This is why we are filled with the teachings of Yahuwah. You see, the birth of the assembly of Yahusha is in complete agreement with prophecy. You see how the pattern of prophecy works together? And the result is the emergence of the assembly of Yahusha. The fall where Yahuwah has gathered those who are the small remnant. And so the fold gives the opportunity for us to be fed so that we will not be afraid, we will not be dismayed, and we will not be lacking. Can you imagine if there was no assembly of If we had no place to go, what does that mean? Well, we're going to end up studying the word of God on our own, worshiping God on our own, which I suppose nothing wrong with that, but it's very difficult to do, right? We all need to be together because we are likened to sheep. And so we need each other and work together and be in a fold. And so the structure helps us so that we can be fed, so that we will not be afraid, not be dismayed, and not be lacking. So this scripture about the fold, the assembly, is telling us about the purpose of the assembly. Take note, the assembly of Yahushua is not the only fold in the world. Did you get that? This is the fold we belong to. But there are other folds in the world today. We're not the only one. There are other folds. But we belong to the fold called the assembly of Yahushua. And its purpose is mentioned right here. To be fed so that we will not be afraid. We will not be dismayed and we shall not be lacking. So what does that mean? What exactly then, when we look at the details, what then is the purpose of the assembly of Yahushua? We now know it was given birth to because of the light of prophecy. So now we have to heed the admonition of prophecy. And so what is the purpose of the assembly of Yahushua? First Peter chapter 5 through 4, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly. Not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. So what is the purpose? What is one purpose of the assembly of Yahushua? Why is it good to be a member of the assembly of Yahushua? Remember, we're not saying you need to be in the assembly of Yahushua to be saved. But what is the blessing if we are members of the assembly of Yahushua? Well, the Bible says it is a place where we can receive care. Whenever Yahuwah provides a fold, he will provide those who will shepherd or take care of the flock. Take note, they are not the one shepherd. Because there's only one shepherd 
who is the the one shepherd, the great shepherd, who is our king, Yahushua. He's the one in charge. He's the one feeding, really. He just uses instruments who are the under shepherds. This is why we will never call ourselves the one shepherd. No, no. There's only one shepherd. There's only the one shepherd. And all of us are working for him. You get that? And so what's the purpose of the shepherds? The advisors, the judges. Bible says you have to care for the flock, watch over it, provide leadership by good example. Do you see all that in the book of Peter? And so one of the purposes of the assembly is to provide people who will act as leaders to provide care, watch over, and provide leadership by example for the sake of the flock. And so who are these leaders who will provide care for the flock? Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. The responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And so the Bible mentions gifts. Among these gifts are pastors and teachers. What do they have in common? They teach the word of God. Why do we need the word of God? This is our food. And so when you feed sheep, you are teaching them the word of God. The work of pastors, the work of teachers. Why is it of primary importance for us to teach and keep teaching the word of God? We read 11 to 12, 13 and 14. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever. We sound like the truth. And so what is one primary, very crucial, essential function of the assembly of Yahushua? It is to provide the teaching of the word of God. How important is it that the word of God the teaching of God's words be taught again and again and again. The Bible says it will continue. You see that? Why? Because we need to develop our knowledge of God's Son. This is why you cannot say, Oh, I already learned everything about God's Son. I already know his name is Jesus. Oops. <laughs> we cannot say we know everything about God's Son. No. We have to grow. This is why we continue to study the word of God. The more we study the word of God, the more we realize how much we don't really know. And so we continue to grow until we become full and complete in our understanding of God's son. Why must we know the teachings? Why must we grow in teaching? Because if not, we will be blown about by every wind of new teaching. Because if we're not being deeply rooted in the word of God, every time there's like a new teaching, flat earth, or a new teaching, etheri, right? These new teachings, you're going to be thinking, oh, are there 11 commandments now? You know, so you're going to be misled. So we need to understand the teaching. We need to grow in the teaching. Because when we understand the teaching, we will not be tricked. By lies, so clever, it sounds like the truth. Do you see the importance of a teaching ministry 
That's one of the reasons why it's good to be in the assembly. Can you study the word of God on your own? Yeah, you could. You could. But for many people, it's a hard thing to do. Because the Bible is not an easy thing to read. This is why there are those gifted at teaching it. There's different gifts in the assembly. Different gifts. There are those who are gifted at teaching. And so those who are gifted at teaching, they teach. Part of the assembly. We learn from each other. And so can you imagine if we were stuck studying the word of God on our own? It's going to be hard. I'm not saying it's impossible. But it's going to be hard. Right? I'm not telling you I'm the only one who knows the word of God. Or that I'm going to never make a mistake. Most likely I do. But we study the word of God together. And there are those who are gifted at teaching it. Because they've studied it longer than you have. And so we can learn from those who have studied it before. So that we can deepen our understanding of scripture. And so what is our responsibility? Those who are receiving the teaching of the word of God in the assembly. Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. Who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And so when we belong to the assembly, when we belong to a fold, and there's a teaching ministry, those who receive the teaching of the word of God, we benefit from it, right? But who are those who truly benefit from the teaching ministry? They're, they are those who fulfill their responsibilities. You see, the teacher has a responsibility. I have a responsibility to teach the word of God as clear as I can. And, you know, I, I try my best. But you also have a responsibility. In fact, here the Bible tells us three responsibilities of those who receive the teaching of the word of God. What are they? Number one, you have to learn. Number two, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be able to teach what you have learned. What else? You have to learn to distinguish from good from evil. And so the more we study the word of God together, the more we develop discernment so that we will not be blown by new teachings like Ray, the 11th commandment, flat earth, right? We, we can distinguish what is right and what is wrong. And this is what we need to practice as the assembly of Yahushua. And so what, what does this mean? When we study the word of God, what can those who can distinguish from right and wrong and are learning the scripture, what also is the responsibility? Corinthians 14, 29, two or three are given God's message should speak while the others are to judge what they say. And so beloved brethren, we don't want you who are members of the assembly of Yahushua to be blind followers. You have to test everything I say. This is why we give you scripture. Right? Look at the scripture. Look at it. This is why we have, we have access to all the videos of our teaching. So that you can test it. Because like I said, I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes. 
An example of a, a one mistake was before I used to preach about the fig tree. I said it represent it's not representing Israel. I kind of changed my mind on that because of more study. Now it pertains to Israel. Do you see how I'm not perfect? I'm not. This is why the Apostle Paul gives this passage. There is one who is given God's message to speak. And so they speak, they teach. But we who are listening, we have to kind of weigh what they say. We have to judge what they say. That's a great responsibility. And we need to do that because remember the admonition of prophecy in chapter 1 of Isaiah. Who is it addressed to? The teachers or the leaders and also the people. <laughs> they have to work together. And so we need to hear the word of Yahuwah, give ear to the law of our God. That's the admonition of prophecy. That's why the teaching of the word of God, that's the most important part of becoming a leader in the assembly. It is of paramount importance. In fact, it is of priority. In the book of Acts, this is what is written. So the 12 called the meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we, apostles, can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. And so at the outset of the assembly, when it was still new, it was just born, it just started in the first century. What was topmost priority? Teaching. Teaching the word of God. So hopefully you can see the priority of the teaching ministry. So one of the reasons why we have the assembly of Yahushua is so that we can provide the teaching of the word of God. And so we need to sustain this work. We need to sustain this work of God, teaching the word of God again and again. This is why we have, you know, we're growing in our teaching of the word of God. We have our regular Bible study. We have our worship services. We continue to expand on this. We need to be filled with the teaching of the word of God because the more, the more deeply rooted we are in the word of God, the better we're able to catch these false ideas, these new teachings that are coming out. And so we need to do that. However, how can we sustain as an assembly? How can we sustain the priority of the teaching ministry? Galatians 6, 5 to 6, for each one shall bear his own load. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. The Bible tells us that when it comes to sustaining the teaching ministry, all of us have a role in it. Does it mean everyone's teaching? No. It means everyone can do something to sustain the teaching ministry. What is this all about? It's about the giving of offerings. To sustain the ministry. Because the one who is teaching the word of God. Spending time. Effort. To put this together. And so that also needs to be sustained. And so we all have our different responsibilities. And this can be made possible. When, whenever, when we have a fold. Or an assembly of Yahusha. So what is one purpose of the assembly of Yahusha? Number one. To provide spiritual teaching, leadership, and guidance. That's number one. What else? Bible tells us in the passage we read er earlier that there are gifts that Yahushua gave to the church to build up the church, the body of Christ. What are examples 
of these gifts. Well, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So the Bible tells us that one of the purposes of the assembly or the church, we use the word assembly, not church, because assembly refers to the people, not the institution or not the building, right? Because a lot of times when we think of the word church today, people think of the building. But the word church is actually assembly, which depicts the people. And so Yahuwah God gave, through Yahushua, gifts. What are these gifts? Certain things that they're able to do well. Are those who are gifted at serving, gifted at showing kindness, gifted at giving. Bible says if we have these different gifts, we have to do it with all of our mind, all of our ability. For what purpose? For the purpose of our edification. And so the assembly, one of its purposes is to edify our faith, right? I mean, if you were by yourself, you did not belong to a church organization, you did not belong to the, an assembly, for example, the Assembly of Yahushua, it's kind of, kind of hard to strengthen your faith. Not saying it's impossible, but it's better if we do it with each other. This is why in the Holy Bible, there are more than 59 one another passages. You notice in the Bible there are many one another passages? Yeah, what do you mean by that? One another passages. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Build up one another. Be like-minded towards one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. What do you notice about the one another? It's telling us we belong to a group. It's hard to be by yourself and practice Christianity. You cannot grow in your practice of Christianity. You cannot grow in your practice of faith when you are not involved in service, when you are not involved in ministry, when you are not exercising your spiritual gifts. The assembly provides us with the way and the structure to be able to provide and serve in fulfilling our spiritual gifts. What else? Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Speak the truth in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. Consider others better than yourselves. Look to the interests of one another. Bear with one another. Keep going. Teach. Teach one another. Comfort one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, stir up, provoke, stimulate one another to love and good works, show hospitality to one another, employ the gifts that God has given you for the benefit of one another, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, pray for one another, confess your faults to one another. And we haven't exhausted all the one another passages, but what does this tell us? We should belong to a congregation. We should belong to a group. Because in a group, in the assembly, it gives us the opportunity to practice, rehearse these one 
another passages? How can we practice these one another passages if we don't belong to one assembly? You get it? This is why one of the purposes of the assembly of Yahusha is so that we can we can provide spiritual growth, edification, and maturity through the acts of the gifts based on the gifts that we have been given by Yahuwah through Yahusha. But also, it's the purpose of the assembly of Yahusha. Ephesians 1, one of these gifts is for evangelism. What does the word evangelism mean? In the book of Matthew 28, 18, and 20, and Yahusha came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Want to pause there for a while. Yahushua has been given authority. He's speaking to his disciples before he goes up to heaven. And he says, all authority has been given to me. There's a reason why he said that. Because in 19, it says, go therefore. You know when you have the word therefore? What's the first thing we need to ask when you find the word therefore? We want to know why is it therefore? Yahushua is telling his disciples, I've been given authority over heaven and earth, right? And so he's given that authority over heaven and earth because there's something that he wants us to do. And so he basically, from his authority, okay, not anyone on earth's authority, not from the apostles' authority, not from any, not my authority, but from Yahushua's authority. Look at verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And so what else is the purpose of the assembly of Yahushua? It is to make disciples of all people. Why? Because Yahuwah wants all people to be saved. But for them to be saved, they need to accept the truth. They need to place their trust in Yahushua and commit to a covenant with him. This is what we need to teach. The covenant is established by means of baptism. And so we have a, we preach the word of God. We want people to receive baptism. This is evangelism. When we share our faith so that they too can be disciples. So that's number three, evangelism. What else is the purpose of the assembly of Yahushua? Galatians 2, 9 to 10. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me. And they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do. Here, the Apostle Paul is speaking about the endorsement of the pillars of the church, James, Peter, and John. What was the primary function of James, Peter, and John? They were to oversee and pastor the fold of the Jews. You see that? Apostle Paul is pastoring a different fold, the fold of the Gentiles. But both folds belong to one flock. What is the flock? The totality of people who follow Yahushua, the ecclesia, the whole body of Yahushua. But there were different groups. One group, the Jews. Another group led by Apostle Paul, the Gentiles. And so they were co-workers. You see that? And so these two different poles were, over, were overseen and pastored by different leaders, different leaders with different poles. 
And so they each had a responsibility. And so they preached according to what was given them. But the one thing they had in common was what? Help the poor. Because if you read scripture all throughout the scriptures, you will find Yahuwah is very, very, he leans towards the poor. He's attracted to helping the poor. That's his heart. That should be our heart too. But when it comes to helping the poor, you know, the Assembly of Yahushua, we're not yet a big organization. We're so small, right? The giving of our offering is limited. We can only help so much. But if we were to help, Bible says we need to prioritize who? For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still did. So when it comes to the ministry of helping those who are in need, our priority are those who are believers, those who belong to the assembly of Yahushua, those who are of the same faith, those who belong to the same fold. And so even in the book of Acts in the first century, what's a good example of this? Uh, 27 to 30, during this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, one of them named Agabus, stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. And so what's an example of believers helping believers? In this case, there was a great famine that was prophesied by Agabus in preparation for this. They collected funds or uh, help to provide relief for those in Judea. And so they were giving relief not to all but to the brothers and sisters. Yeah, we want to help everyone. But we can only do so much helping at the moment. Because, of course, we're limited to what we can do. But our priority ought to be those who are of the same faith. And so one of the purposes of the, the Assembly of Yahushua is so that we can find, we can organize a way by which we can help the needy. And so these are the purposes, spiritual teaching, leadership and guidance, spiritual growth, edification and maturity, evangelism, helping the needy. We can really only do this when we are in the assembly or we, when we belong to a group. It'd be hard to do this if you're by yourself. But when you look at these four purposes, they all have one thing in common. They all represent this word. What is that word? Service, right? So the purpose of the Assembly of Yahusha is to provide service, teaching, leadership, spiritual gifts, sharing our faith, helping the need, all service. And so we rehearse our faith through service. But then that's not, there's also a number five. There's also another reason why we have the Assembly of Yahusha, why it's the will of our Father for us to have a group of our own. You know what else is there? In the book of Hebrews 10, 24, 25, let us think of ways to motivate one another to act of love and good works and let us not neglect our meeting together. 
as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Bible tells us that we must not neglect what? Our meeting together. Can you do that? If you're by yourself, you can't do that. We can only do that within the context of an assembly. This is why people who say, oh, there's no need, uh, you, the, the assembly is not important. Well, how can you meet together if you don't belong to an assembly? We're not telling you we're the only assembly out there, but find some assembly, find some gathering, because you need to be in a gathering of people. Why? Because the meeting together can only be done when you are meeting with other people. How important is it? It's something that we must not neglect, especially when the return of our king is drawing in. So what is the meeting together referred to? Congregational worship service. Can we worship God on our own? Yeah, we can pray on our own. We can read the Bible on our own. We can practice good deeds on our own. We can do that on our own. But it doesn't mean we're going to forego the meeting of ourselves together. Bible tells us we need to be present. We must not neglect our meeting together. This is the priority of worshiping as a congregation. This is one of the best reasons why we have the assembly of Yahusha. It provides the opportunity for us to meet together as a congregation to worship Yahuwah and Yahusha. And we're thankful for the advent of technology so that we can meet together even though we're far apart from each other physically. And so we need to do that. And one of the effects when we meet together, when we know we are not worshiping alone, one of, one, one of the positive effects of this is it's motivating and it's encouraging, right? When you participate with a group, it motivates you. When you participate with a group, it encourages you. And so Yahuwah wants us to be together as a congregation. Yeah, we can worship by, on our own, but Yahuwah it is his will that when we worship, we worship as a congregation, as a people together. You know what proves that? Let's read. We're almost done. The book of Leviticus 23, 1 to 4. Yahuwah said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. These are Yahuwah's appointed testimonies, which you are to proclaim as official days for a holy assembly. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of complete rest, an official day for holy assembly. It is Yahuwah's Sabbath day, and it must be observed wherever you live. In addition to the Sabbath, these are Yahuwah's appointed festivals, the official days for holy assembly that are to be celebrated at their proper times each year. So the Bible tells us or gives us a pattern of worship. That's what the Moedim is. The festivals and the Sabbath, take note, they are patterns for worship. In other words, when we look at the year, the calendar year, we have a schedule of worship. There are schedules for our assemblies. When are they? Sabbath and the feasts. So during the Sabbaths and the feasts, we are to have a holy Assembly, you see that? Now, what is the meaning of assembly? You gather together. You belong together. This is why every Sabbath, what do we do? We fulfill this. We have a gathering. 
This is how we set it apart. There's a holy day. We have a, an assembly. When we have our feast, at the appropriate time each, each year, we have an assembly. So we have the assemblies or the gatherings or the meeting together every Sabbath and also on the appointed times or the feast. And so that word assembly, when you look at the Hebrew word, it means convocation, reading, public meeting. And so if it's a public meeting where you read together the word of God and it's a convocation, it's a meeting of people. It's a gathering of people so that we can read and learn the word of God. Do you see that? And at the same time, it's also a rehearsal because we know the Moedim is prophetic. It is a template. It is a typology of things to come. And so when we gather for worship, we also rehearse our faith. And so there you have it. What is the purpose of the Assembly of Yahushua? Number one, provide spiritual teaching, leadership, and guidance because it's hard to learn the Bible on your own. You need someone to teach you. Number two, we need spiritual growth, edification, and maturity. It provides evangelism, helping the needy, and it gives us the opportunity to fulfill the Moedim and also to congregate together as a people of God to worship him and to worship his beloved son. So to answer the question, do we need to be in the assembly of Yahushua to be saved? No. The assembly of Yahushua helps us nurture the covenant-based relationship with Yahushua so that we can be fully prepared for salvation. Do you think that's important? Absolutely. Because the devil is out there and he's trying to snatch us and destroy us and devour us. It's good that we will find safety in a flock, in a fold, led by our King Yahushua, using instruments and according to prophecy, judges and advisors like you had during those golden times. And this is what we provide in the assembly of Yahushua. So we belong now to the people of God. The fold of the assembly of Yahushua is part of that overall body, the ecclesia. We're part of it. We're not all of it. You get it? But we're part of it. And so as part of it, what should we do? What should we do? Because we're part of it. Romans them. There's four more passages. There's no difference between the one who sows and the one who waters. God will reward each one according to the work each has done. For we are partners working together for God, and you are God's field. You are also God's building. Using the gift that God gave me, I did the work of an expert builder and laid the foundation. Someone else is building on it. But each one must be careful how he builds. For God has already placed Yahushua Christ as the one and only foundation, and no other foundation can be laid. Beloved brethren, we belong to the fold. The assembly of Yahushua. But there are other folds. They also build on the same foundation. What foundation is that? The foundation of Yahushua. Also, Paul says we need to build. Because throughout the history, since the beginning, the conception of the assembly or the ecclesia, from the days of the apostles up until today, there have been many who built upon that foundation. We're also adding to what was already built. But at the foundation is who? Yahushua. We need to make sure we're building on the right foundation. We're professing and preaching Yahushua. 
He is the one who will give us salvation. He is our head. He is our one shepherd. He is our one Messiah. He's our Lord. And if we don't believe he is our one shepherd, then we're not building on the same foundation. He is our one shepherd. He is our one rock. And so, brethren, we are building on that foundation. And so let us build it, right? Let us build. How can we build? By working, working out our spiritual gifts. And what does Yahuwah want us to know? Because we are the building of Yahusha. Let's read the final passage of our studies today. Surely you know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. So if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you yourselves are his temple. Beloved brethren, we who belong to Yahusha, we are built upon the foundation of our King Yahusha. That being the case, we are the temple. We are the temple of God. Apostle Paul said that and confirmed it. He said, you are God's temple. And because we are God's temple, God's spirit lives in us. And this is what we're going to be thankful for. When we celebrate the anniversary of the assembly of Yahushua, we will offer praise and thanksgiving to Yahuwah and to Yahushua. Because Yahuwah and Yahushua lives in us. Through, through his spirit. That's a blessing worth thanking for. And so when we meet together, we'll express our thanksgiving, our gratefulness for Yahuwah and Yahusha's fellowship with us through the power of his spirit. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father, merciful Yahuwah Abba, thank you so much for listening to the cries and prayers of your people. Long ago, Many of your people experience crisis in our life because many of us grew up in the same faith, the same religion. Father, you upheld us when we made the choice to be loyal to you and to your beloved son. Father, thank you because you have gathered us when we were displaced. You did not allow that our faith would suffer. In fact, what has happened is the opposite. Our faith blossomed. It grew more and more because you caused us to read the prophecy. From it, we found the light of hope, the admonition of scripture. We searched more and more. And Father, we know that we are on the path that leads to you because we are in agreement with the prophetic pattern that you have given us through your scriptures, our King Yahushua. On Sabbath, we will have a convocation. We will assemble together to celebrate our calling and election. Thank you for being there for us, for bringing us together in our own fold. We we'll belong to you in the one flock, you being our one shepherd. May you be with us, kind Lord, in everything that we do as we prepare, we prepare for that day of our salvation. Father, we believe that you have listened to our prayers. You have blessed your people throughout the world. We ask everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, 
יהושע המשיח. אמן.